Welcome to The Expert View. My name is Harriet Wheelock, Keeper of Collections in the Royal College of Physicians of Ireland. Today I'm joined by Professor Brendan Kelly, Professor of Psychiatry in Trinity College Dublin and Duns Librarian in the Royal College of Physicians of Ireland, and Dr Maurice Houston, Occupational Physician and Medical Writer, to talk about their new book, Psychiatrist in the Chair, the Official Biography of Anthony Clare. Um, Marish, perhaps I could start with you. Would you be able to just give a brief overview of who Anthony Clare was and um, why you decided it was important to write this biography? Well, I think it's fair to say that Anthony Clare was an outstanding psychiatrist, um, but he was also an outstanding communicator um, outside of psychiatry or alongside psychiatry. Um, he spent most of his career in the UK uh, and as well as being uh, a very diligent psychiatrist, he also opened up um, and people realized that he had a huge skill in communicating with, 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 with lay people. So um, his most famous um, communication uh, gig, for want of a better word, would be in, in the psychiatrist chair, which ran on BBC Radio 4 from 1989 to sorry, from 1982 to 2001. Um, and, you know, he's hugely remembered for that because I think for a lot of people, not alone was it good radio, but it, it broke down a little bit of this, of the barriers maybe around psychological illness that, that, um, that, that had, had, had built up over the years. In the programme, he, he interviewed um, um, famous personalities, politicians, um, you know, a whole gamut of people, but uh, they were very, very fascinating and almost intimate kind of interviews that, that he did. But as a psychiatrist, um, as well as um, teaching and looking after patients, just 10 years after he qualified from UCD, he wrote a book called Psychiatry and Descent, which is an absolute classic, still hugely relevant. And um, it's it's amazing how fresh it still is and basically in that he argued for you know rather than a, a dichotomy of madness and normality that actually um we were all on on a continuum really which 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 i think was um a very important point to make he was professor of uh, psychological medicine in saint Bart's for a lot of his time in london and then in 1989 he returned to ireland where he became clinical professor of psychiatry in trinity college and also medical director at St. Patrick's Hospital. Unfortunately, about two to three months before he was due to retire, uh, he died suddenly in October 2007. Um, he was coming back through Paris from a holiday and, and he died in Paris suddenly. So um, an immense man and an immense contributor to um, global medicine, I think it's fair to say. Um, you mentioned the book um, Psychiatry and Descent and perhaps Brendan you could tell us a bit more about that and why it was so groundbreaking and why um, it's lasted so well. I think you say in the book that it's uh, stood the test of time in a notoriously fickle field. Psychiatry and Descent was Anthony Clare's major work, uh, major written work in psychiatry. It appeared in 1976, uh, just uh, 10 years after he graduated uh, from UCD and he was working at the time in London at the Institute of Psychiatry. And the book aimed to explain psychiatry as a branch of medicine to the public, to psychiatrists themselves, to other doctors, and 
to the critics of psychiatry. Psychiatry was very much under attack from Ordi Lang, from Thomas Zatz, from various others. And Anthony Clare in the book, Psychiatry and Dissent, provided a very articulate, a very logical, a very persuasive response to the critics. The book covered a range of topics to do with uh, the difference between mental illness and wellness, which he placed on a continuum, um, the nature of schizophrenia, uh, involuntary treatment, and personal responsibility, a really interesting discussion of that, electroconvulsive therapy, and the future of psychiatry. So uh, a real tour de force through contemporary psychiatry and written so passionately that it inspired an entire generation of people to train in psychiatry. Now, if I might quote just one of them who spoke to us for the book, um, Professor Sir Simon Wesley, uh, later president of the Royal College of Psychiatrists and president of the Royal Society of Medicine. Um, he said, uh, Professor Wesley said of psychiatry and dissent, he said, it was the ideas. The book showed that psychiatry was a place where things happened, and I never changed my mind on that. So the book inspired an entire generation of psychiatrists and demystified psychiatry. And that, I guess that demystifying of psychiatry and making it more accessible is something that perhaps you can see in his broadcasting as well and his appearances in the media. And I, I think, as you mentioned, Marish, that in the psychiatrist chair is probably his best known media sort of outlet. Why was it so popular and, and what is it, what was it about it that really engaged the audience? We, we learned as we were researching the book that um, a deliberate decision was made to record these uh, interviews in a pretty small studio in the BBC. And I think credit has to go to his producer, Michael Embers, as well as to Anthony Clare for the finished product, because I think they very deliberately and they, they, they frequently recorded about two hours of, of uh, an interview and then they would obviously edit it down and, and produce something. But, you know, uh, what I like about it is that he's, he's, um, he's, he's gentle, he's human, um, and yet he does probe uh, as, as you, would, you, you would expect him to do. Um, but really, it's, it's kind of interesting. I, I, I sometimes think that he was almost, and I hate, it's terrible to make this distinction, so perhaps I shouldn't, but it's to emphasize that he, as well as being a top-class psychiatrist, and we know he was a top-class psychiatrist because his patients and various other people have been very clear about that, but I think he was a really, really good communicator. And I think, for me, what comes out of the, the uh, in Psychiatrist Chair interviews is just how good a communicator and an interviewer he was I know for a fact that several broadcasters will very quickly tell you that they have learned a lot from how he, he interviewed people. So, you know, it was a great mix. I mean, he was a top class psychiatrist talking to people about psychological issues or at least feelings and stuff like that in general. And at the same time, he had an amazing uh, skill uh, as a radio interviewer. So um, that made for a pretty, pretty special mix. And is there a, an interview or a couple of interviews that sort of particularly stick with you that you would pick as, I don't know, either very good examples or the more ones that you personally found really engaging? Yeah, I, I mean, the whole notion of, there's a bit of a funny story about Yuri Geller, who's the Israeli uh, magician and uh, psychic and known for his spoon bending um, abilities or illusions, whichever, whichever you're having yourself. But anyway, he, he, he was, 
um, you know, t talked all about his, his extraordinary childhood and his dramatic life as a spy and his ability to stop clocks and bend spoons and all this kind of stuff. What I love about the story, and perhaps it's, 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 it was a very good interview, obviously, but um, while on air, Geller used his, we call it his psychic powers, to bend the car key of the program's producer, Michael Ember, who apparently had to take the train home. And uh, this left Anthony Clare both perplexed and curious. And so he said, and what is your explanation? Do you know how it's done? If it's not magic, how is it done? And Geller said, I have no explanation. But apparently the car keys were bent and the producer went home on the train. So <laughs> try beating that for an impact. The other one, I suppose, that there's so many of them. The, the, the one that's, another one that stands out for me is a woman called Nicola Horley. She's a businesswoman out in the public about her daughter's battle with, with, with cancer. She had leukemia, I think. He handled that so nicely and so well. And I, I looked what she said about it afterwards, which was, it wasn't just a radio program. It became an actual therapy session for, for me. The interview was meant to take around an hour. We actually spoke for over two hours. Anthony could feel the pain that I was suffering and was extremely kind to me. And then after Georgie died, he wrote me a lovely letter saying that he felt he knew her, even though he had never met her, and how tragic her death at the age of 12 was. And I thought he was a wonderful man, and the two hours that I spent with him helped me to cope with the immense difficulties that I was facing at that time in my life, and I was very grateful. It wasn't just that he was a psychiatrist, he was also a father. And that's a, a lovely, uh, if, if someone said that to me about my consulting style or whatever, um, yeah. my communication style, I'd be, I'd be absolutely over the moon. Yeah, it was one of the things I found very moving in the book. And also the, um, I think there's a piece from June Shannon about her yes. experience of being treated by Anthony Clare as well. And yeah. that really gave you, I guess, as a reader, like an insight into what he was like. So it's very difficult to get the patient's experience about the, the June Tan one, and she, she describes it as you say in great detail. But towards the end of 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 her her going to see him on a regular basis, she arrived up and he said, "I see you're in really good form today, you know." And uh, June wanted to said, "How would you know? I am, but how did you know?" Oh, he said, um, "I I always watch my patients getting out of their cars in the car park." And he says, "I could see a real spring in your step today. So, isn't that nice?" <laughs> Um, and what about you, Brendan? Are there sort of uh, interviews from in the psychiatrist chair that particularly resonate with you? Yeah, yes, I, in 1994, um, uh, Anthony Clare interviewed actress Joanna Lumley. And just as he was capable of great gravity and seriousness, Anthony Clare was able to enter into the spirit of an interview with anybody. And we got in touch with Joanna Lumley for the book to reminisce and look back on the interview. And here's what she told us. This is Joanna Lumley talking about her 1994 interview with Anthony Clare in the psychiatrist's chair. She says, it was immensely entertaining and fascinating. Sitting in a small recording booth could have been claustrophobic, but Professor Clare was a great companion with whom to be shot into a small space. I thought he was awesome. Wise, quiet, humorous, candid, and wildly clever. I could have sat there all day. Clare was criticized for giving me an easy time, but to tell the truth, I had nothing to hide. And he liked me, I think, and we laughed a lot. People like Anthony Clare are few and far between, 
and his presence was much needed and hugely treasured. He was a legend. I could not have liked him more. And that was Joanna Lumley reflecting back on her 1994 interview with Anthony Clare. You talk in the biography about uh, when Clare comes back to Dublin from London. Um, Anthony Clare's return to Ireland in 1989, it certainly was a transition. And it took a little time to move from London with the immediacy of the BBC and all that London offers to Dublin. Um, although he flew back and forth constantly and when asked where he lived during those years, he said, I live in midair. Um, he did adjust to coming back to Dublin, his role as medical director in St. Patrick's Hospital. He did two terms as that. And then toward what turned out to be toward the end of his life, he derived enormous satisfaction from his clinical and therapeutic work at St. Edmundsbury Hospital in Lucan. And this was very much a therapeutic reawakening for Anthony Clare in those years. So it was a, it was a different life. He also stepped back from the media uh, in what turned out to be the final years of his life. So there was a transition, but also, also if you like, a journey into different phases of life. And he was still publishing quite extensively. He was still publishing um, constantly, unstoppably. Um, writing books and papers. He did step back from some of the uh, appearances in the media, but he wrote so many papers, reviews, commentary articles and books. He was, he, you know, there was no way to stop him talking and writing. Well, what would you consider to be his biggest contribution? Or, I don't know, the one that you think he might like to be best remembered for? Anthony Clare's gift was for communicating and connecting in very direct and very human ways. He did this when he spoke. As an orator, he was peerless. As a student debater, as a teacher, as a lecturer. He also on the radio, on stop the week, start the week in the psychiatrist's chair. Similarly, psychiatry and dissent. Um, he wanted to communicate the true nature of psychiatry. So I think his, his legacy will be that communication and everything it represented openness, intelligence, connection, engagement, debate, all of those values he epitomized. And luckily for psychiatry, he lent these skills, giving psychiatry a far better ambassador than possibly psychiatry deserved, but certainly far better than psychiatry could ever have expected. Um, I suppose I have to um, add a personal note to this and um, Anthony Clare was a very skilled a journalist. He, he wasn't um, a hack, he wasn't a news journalist, but he was a very skilled editorial writer and opinion piece writer. And, you know, when he was in the UK, he was doing it for a broad range of British newspapers. And when he came back here, he was regularly writing in the Sunday Independent, often about, you know, not strictly medical issues, but social issues whether it was Northern Ireland or whatever, and a very erudite and very, very thoughtful uh, contribution. But for me, um, he was one of the reasons, going back quite a while, why I wanted to, to, to write. And um, I think what I really valued about him was that he maintained his integrity and he maintained his, um, you know, his, his reputation as a doctor and as a psychiatrist, while at the same time being such a media whiz kid. 
Now, I am not in any way suggesting that I'm in his league. I absolutely am not because I'm not a radio person. I have written uh, for over 20 years for the Irish Times. But it's very interesting. When, when I was asked uh, to write my first column for the readers of the Irish Times and to explain what, what, what my, hopefully my appointment would, would, would bring, I used the word demystify. And it was to demystify medicine for, for my readers. And I think he did that hugely as well. So I think, you know, a, a number of medics over, over time would have sort of shed their medical skin and become journalists and, you know, just left that behind. He managed to keep both going. And it's for others to decide, but I would like to think that I managed to maintain a, a medical ethic uh, while I was working um, for the Irish Times. So I'm very grateful to him for that. Um, I guess that kind of leads on to why you decided to write the biography and where the idea came from. Was it sort of one of you, both of you? Well, I mean, I was always interested in Anthony Clare as a, a secondary school kid in Galway. I heard he was speaking once at the Ardalon Hotel at a business meeting and I cycled across town. I snuck in the back and I listened to him. I was smitten. I was starstruck. So. And I, when I became a psychiatrist, I met him professionally a few times, and he always struck me as an interesting character and well worth writing about, not least because so much of his media work was prior to the internet and um, needed to be set down and remembered in a way that would last. This thought was knocking around in my head, but I had done nothing about it until um, Wirish approached me, uh, wondering about the idea of writing a biography. And um, I thought it was a great idea. And that's how we teamed up, or at least that's my story. And it's an absolutely true story. And uh, I'd like to add that we've worked very well together. It's been incredibly enjoyable. Brendan's very supportive. I hope I've offered some support at various times, but um, it's certainly been a joy, Brendan. And I, I think you, you would agree with that. And. Um, we're not promising to do any more, but um, at the same time, I'm certainly not ruling it out. Are you? <laughs> no, no, no. It was, it was, it was great. And we must add, and you know, we have to emphasise that in this work, we had the fulsome cooperation yeah. and support yeah. of the Clare family, and the importance of that cannot be overstated. No, they were open, absolutely not. Yeah. They were generous right the way through and yeah. I honestly cannot speak highly enough and I think both yeah. Murish and I would acknowledge this has largely shaped the, the, the depth yeah. and breadth of the book, the memories, the structure, the photos and um, that that was a real gift to us without which it would not have been possible. And did you know them before or did you approach them with the idea of the biography? Approached them. We did not know them before. We met with the family. We set out what we wanted to do, gave them an opportunity to think about it. And what really developed was a trust and a partnership that I hope uh, is reflected well in the book. Psychiatrist in the Chair, the official biography of Anthony Clare by Brendan Kelly and Maurice Houston is published by Marion Press. It is available to purchase from their website, marionpress.ie or from your local bookshop.